Hey everybody, welcome back to another Photog Adventures podcast. I'm Aaron King. I'm Brendan Porter. With families and day jobs, we know it's hard to find time to get out there with your camera. So Brendan and I joined together and made the commitment to go out consistently and build up our landscape and astrophotography portfolios. We live in Utah and are lucky to have so many beautiful landscapes all around us. Not only do we have five national parks right here in Utah, but we are only a day or less drive away from 30 other national parks. So we created PhotogAdventures.com, this podcast, and our YouTube channel to chronicle our adventures. Come along with us to amazing places and learn from our mistakes and our successes. We hope that you will get out there too and have a photog adventure of your own. It's episode 44 and today Brendan and I are excited because we finally broken 2,000 subscribers on our YouTube. So we want to thank all of you who have been willing to go out to our YouTube channel as well and subscribe there. We're starting to see more and more people who are coming to the Facebook listeners group. They're signing up. And after they sign up, they say, hey, you know, I had no idea you guys had a YouTube channel. I just knew about the podcast. And then they go to YouTube and I can see their name signing up on Facebook. And within the hour, I see their name signing up on YouTube. Awesome. And that feels awesome. So thank you to everybody. Tell your friends. Let's get past 2,000 because today we're with a giant on YouTube who makes 2000 feel like we barely started. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so joining us from Leeds, England is Adam Karnatch. Hello. And he is a landscape landscape photographer and YouTuber and also does a podcast, right? I have just started a podcast, yes. Not I'm not as sort of seasoned as yourselves and but yeah, it's it's good definitely good fun. It is, yeah. So we hope you um feel uh, welcome in the podcast community and Yeah can uh, continue there so and i'm a listener of your podcast and i've been loving it and I, even though i've seen your videos i managed to still need a little bit more of first man photography uh-huh. so i appreciate the podcast i love it no thank you even the conservative photographer he just talked about his perspective on conservative photography kind of coined the term Ooh, that's ah. right. so we might have to talk about that a little bit well you want to tell us a little bit about yourself adam how you get started and uh what brings you here today i started photography when i was very young uh, just sort of the normal sort of stuff that you do with your parents, like um, just shooting holidays and things like that. And my dad was always uh, into a bit of photography and he had sort of a uh, a camera bag full of old lenses and cameras in in uh, in our in our house. So I sort of started playing with them. And then he he also he sort of he used to be a teacher and then he sort of moved into uh, sort of industry doing training. And Ooh. some, some, really? yeah, somehow I, d- I don't know how it happened, but he ended up sort of with had he had a mobile dark room in a in a in the back of a van basically, and he used to drive that, wow. yeah, and he used to drive that around to different schools uh, and sort of teach kids about developing film and stuff. Way cool. So I used to I used to sort of get a good access to that, and it was it was inspiring and amazing as you sort of see an image just magically appear on a piece of paper in front of you after you put it in you after you put it into some chemicals and it just it just sort of sparked something in me as i've sort of progressed through the years and you i mean i've I've tried different things i've always been very much into sport and things and you get distracted by things but photography's always been there in and around and as i sort of started to take it more seriously i think what i really like about photography generally personally for me is whilst there is obviously an artistic element to it for me i'm not afraid to say i love the gear as well i'm a bit of an i'm a (laughs) bit of a geek i'm a bit of a nerd and i I love the gear and that that sort of forms part of it for me and i i love sort of the uh feel of the camera in the hands i love all the buttons and all that i don't know it just sort of it's just something i like i I don't know i know a lot of (laughs) other people feel like that as well and it so you've got that sort of uh marriage of art and technology 
all in one and that's just what sort of spoke to me really about photography because if you put a pencil in my hand I cannot draw uh, right. I can draw <laughs> I can draw stick man and that's and that's, a, <laughs> and that's about it but so I, but I do have an artistic side I've I've sort of done music and things like that in the past uh but that sort of marriage that it creates with photography just really was something that appealed to me and that sort of lasted uh to this day really and then as I sort of landscape photography just was really just a natural thing for me because where I grew up it was in the northeast of England um I moved to Leeds a bit later but I lived right on the edge of the North Yorkshire Moors, so mm. I was all through my childhood. I was out and about in the woods making dens and things, and uh, I had the, these amazing landscapes right on my doorstep, and I sort of took them for, for granted, right? As mm -hmm. a young, as a as a youngster, as you do, don't you? And yeah. yeah, as time went on, I sort of think, well, I know these areas. I can start to shoot them, and that's kind of that's kind of what happened. I felt that same way. Yeah, and I, I was also lucky. I think I told this story on on one of my videos quite early on. But um, it, I went to Yosemite when I was sixteen. It was my one and only trip to the US so far. But I managed, oh, really? we managed to, yeah, we managed to see quite a lot of quite a lot of. We went to San Francisco and Las Vegas. Nice. Um, went, went to Yosemite, and I, I managed to shoot some really nice images of Yosemite. I, I can't remember the name of the road. That, I don't know. It's probably the tourist road. Right? Is it the one, one that those. comes out of the tunnel where you see the yeah, big the, El Capitan that, rock? I think it is that one, yeah. And we, so Tunnel I didn't really view. know Yosemite at the time. Yeah, I had I had with me. I bought whilst I was there because I didn't have a camera myself at the time, so I couldn't. And I went with a friend, a friend and their family, so I didn't take a camera with me. But I mm. bought this this old, or well, it's old now, but it wasn't at the time. This <laughs> little um, disposable Kodak camera, but it was a panoramic one. Mm. It, a panoramic it, it a, one. Yeah, it was absolutely amazing, and it created these kind of. I don't almost like six by two uh, mm -hmm. panoramic cool. images. It, it it was brilliant, and I, I sort of I've still got some of those images because I scanned them onto uh, into digital quite a long time ago, and I'm still chuffed with them to this day. And they've got that sort of great, <laughs> they've got that sort of grainy, uh, in uh, sort of disposable look. film camera. Yeah, mm. but they, they are they are fun images. I'm, I'm, well, just you threw me back to a time thinking about every trip I ever went on. I forgot there was kiosks everywhere with yeah. the little yellow disposable yeah. cameras from Kodak where you'd get like a, a tray on the table next to the cash register and it'd be spinning around and you have all these different camera options. You pull out a thin one and you'd pay that disposable camera. What a bizarre yeah. difference it is now today. They don't yeah. sell those anywhere. It was brilliant because when, when you had those stalls in the UK, it, you'd have probably a choice of two and then hmm. i went into this i can't remember where it was but we went into the when we were, when i was on this holiday in the u.s we went uh, we went into a it was just like a, a motel type shop um and there was a rack of them with so many different variants of these disposable cameras it was <laughs> it was brilliant so was, and i went for the panoramic one and i'm 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 glad i did Nice. Yeah. Had you had you know you mentioned your father going around with the dark room, basically mobile yeah. dark room. Had you already had that experience before you were sixteen with photography, or did you really get no, into that? No, that was prior to that. So okay. no, that was when I was sixteen, and then between then there was sort of a period of uh, a few years where I didn't do that much photography because I was concentrating on studies. I was playing a lot of sport at that time and girls come into it as well don't they around that age as well so <laughs> uh, sure I do. sort of drifted yeah. I drifted away from it a little bit but then sort of got back into it into sort of my early 20s so 36 now so 
it's been pretty it's been a constant throughout my life absolutely you mentioned in the beginning that you were looking at your area that you live there in the Leeds area that you didn't take you took a bit for granted, just like all of us growing up, like mm-hmm. refocusing mm-hmm. on girls and other things and just earning some money mm-hmm. so you can be with your be with your buddies. But then all of a sudden you get a camera in your hand and you start noticing the world around you. It's hard not to be a landscape photographer because you start thinking, the clouds look interesting. Here's my camera. That light yeah. is awesome. And you don't notice those little details of life mm-hmm. until you have a camera. It's weird. I never did. No, you're right. My wife's constantly getting sick of me talking about the sky. <laughs> and I've got, I've got, I've got two, I've got two daughters, and I've now got my uh, eldest daughter. She's five. I've now got her. Sort of every time there's a nice sunset or a nice sunrise, she'll co- she'll run over to me and say, "Daddy, Daddy, there's a beautiful sky." <laughs> mm-hmm. so, yeah, she's heard you say so that. It, yeah, it's, it's sort of it's sort of rubbing off, I think. But uh, yeah, I mean, you're, con- you're constantly looking out, aren't you? And checking the light and quality of the light and on my video that went out on Sunday I sort of I was talking about the weather and I'm constantly constantly checking the weather and I've got <laughs> I've got several I've got several several weather apps that I use and I said in the video is I'm not really that interested in the weather it's not it's not really a hobby of mine a lot of people get quite into the weather but mm-hmm. uh, especially in the UK yeah <laughs> it's not really something something I'm particularly interested in but you just for practical purposes you've got to be really to sort of get those uh try and get those better skies and things but not that i don't go out in bad weather but yeah your videos yeah. prove that <laughs> <laughs> everyone likes a, a nice sunrise or sunset though don't they absolutely right, right so you mentioned you have two daughters your wife your family man just like we are and you're doing youtube and the podcast and you're doing some commercial photography as well to make money i mean what is it how do you find time to do all of uh, that with the family i sort of sit up at 10 o'clock at night like I am now <laughs> working away um, it, it's busy very busy for some reason and I'm not quite sure why when my youngest daughter was uh, six months old I started a YouTube channel mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I'm not sure that was the best idea in the world but it's kind of <laughs> that's the way it's gone and I've sort of been I've been working hard and been busy ever since. I don't watch TV much or anything like that. So I'm sort of just totally engrossed in, in uh, <laughs> photography at the moment. So, If you guys haven't subscribed to his channel, his channel's First Man Photography. Adam, his name, he's explained this before, so I'll just say it for him. He is, Adam was the first man, and so we thought, okay, maybe Adam Carnatch would be a tough name for people to recognize mm, on the YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. So his photography is First Man Photography. Check him out. Get his podcast. He has about six episodes so far, something like that, maybe seven, and... Uh, I mean, if you're hearing his strong, accented voice right now, you know he's an enjoyable listen and an enjoyable <laughs> watch. It's a, you know, a fun video. I, the first time I came across your video, Adam, was when I was looking for my setup for the vlogging, and you had a video called The Perfect Vlog Setup. And it was basically okay. Casey Neistat's setup in your hands, and you were unboxing it and showing it with the Gorilla Pod and ah. everything with your big old Canon 70D, or do you have something else now? It, it was that was a 700D in that. Oh, in 700. That. Oh, okay. That's so I think right. That, I think I think that's the. Is that the T5? T5i I, maybe. Yeah. T3i. I'm, I'm not sure what. What's the eight, what's the Probably, newest one? Is it the T? I think there's a T6 now. Yeah, I think there's it's a T6i. That's a T5. I think it's the T, so I guess the equivalent of it because in the UK it's different than the model here in yeah, the US. They, yeah, here they call them T like T two I, three I, four I, five I, six I. In the in the UK and Europe they, they have the seven hundred. Oh. So it's like seven, seventy, yeah. and then seven hundred or eight, 
you know, or like the six sixty oh. D. I think it's the, the red. Yeah, the rebel. The rebel line that you have in the US is they have just three different digits branding for it. In, yeah, in Europe. Yeah, so. I mean that that video sort of does link into where the vlogging started, really, because it's tough. It's tough making it as a landscape photographer. There isn't mm-hmm. a massive amount of money in it. I sell, or people do sell some prints, and I I do, but it isn't enough to pay the bills generally right so i started the youtube channel initially doing sort of tutorials and stuff as 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 you sort of see and yeah as that went on i was obviously consuming a fair bit of youtube as well and i came across a few vlogs and then i'd been sort of i'd done some filming bef- for quite a long time and i i was using i've used dslrs for a few years with video and i had the road video mic and stuff and then i suddenly just on one occasion I came across Casey Neistat, mm-hmm. who's obviously a, a sensation worldwide now, isn't he? But oh, yeah. at that time, I, I'd never really heard of him. And I mm-hmm. saw this video with him using the Gorillapod on basically the camera setup I've been using for years. <laughs> so I thought, well, that's a good idea. <laughs> so I sort, I, I sort of got hold of one and it, and obviously watched a few of his vlogs. And that the, the sort of whole vlogging thing was just getting going at that time. And mm-hmm. I thought that that was my inspiration behind started to do my own vlog and it wasn't even particularly going to be when i first did it it wasn't particularly even going to be a landscape photography vlog it was just going to be it was it was just going to be about my journey as a photographer generally rather than just a landscape thing but as i started traveling around doing some of the vlogs and stuff um it kind of naturally just progressed into into doing landscape vlogs and then i think i've done about six or seven maybe maybe 10 something like that and then people started saying oh have you heard of or have you heard of this person mm-hmm. have you heard of this person mm-hmm. um people like tom heaton right um, right and, and saying have you heard of this person he's doing a similar sort of thing and I, and I hadn't at that point so sort of my the way i got into doing landscape photography vlogs was more about getting inspiration from vloggers from other other uh, genres rather than any lands other any other landscape photographers so uh, that was how I got. That's how my channel sort of progressed into doing the vlogs and moving away from uh, the tutorials a little bit. Hmm. Well, your channel's been extremely successful. You're at thirty-eight thousand right now. Have you broken thirty-nine? Uh, I think it, it's it's in the lower thirties. I think it's I think it's about oh lower 30, than thirty-eight. Yeah, thirty-two or something. I think at the moment. It's amazing. I uh, can't wait. I mean, you have thirty thousand more subscribers than we do. <laughs> but I mean, you've been doing it for two years now. It is, yeah, it's almost to the day. Yeah, oh, okay. almost to the day. Awesome. Wow. Yeah. Well, just yeah. recently, I've been watching your channel, and you got to hang out with one of the guys that we really love and if you consider him a friend of ours I owe him a reply on a message that I feel terrible about and guilt ridden but Andrew Marr Andrew Marr is a great guy out in Australia and he just really just recently hung out with you do you have any stories from that hangout doing a collaboration with him and doing some photography out there I've been thinking for a little while I would like to start doing some collaborations because as landscape photographers we kind of there's an element of solitude that yeah. we enjoy uh, and I sort of started thinking well I do like that, and I, I go out by myself a lot, but yeah. I, w- I want to start shooting with some people because I enjoy that as well. Uh, so I started being open to the possibility of of doing a collaboration. And then I think it was on one of my videos, Andrew possibly commented saying that he was over in the UK. So I sort of I sent him a message just saying, well, like get in touch, send me an email, and we'll try and we'll try and hook up. Um, and that, that's sort of how it did. We we had a few few sort of emails back and forth, and then 
uh, he sort of he wanted to see the Lake District, I think, which is obviously if you've seen my vlogs, is is my stomping ground basically. Mm -hmm. So right, that's where we'd want to go. Yeah. So we we sort of arranged a time to meet, and I sort of set up set up a bit of a day for him basically, and took him took him round uh, one of my favourite areas of the Lake District, and uh, it was just it was a fantastic day. He's an absolute gentle gentleman. If you've <laughs> if you have if you have spoken to him, oh yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah, I mean, absolutely brilliant. And it was a great day. It sort of started off. We, we met in the town in a town centre called Keswick, and we weren't really sure how. We talked a little bit about how it was going to work, but <laughs> not really. And we neither of us had done a, a collaboration before, so we sort of sat down for a little bit beforehand and had a bit of a chat about how we were going to do it and what we were going to do <laughs> and when we were going to shoot and stuff. But then. As with most of my landscape photography vlogs, is you get, you go out into these amazing landscapes, and then you just become inspired uh, by the landscape itself, and then right. finding the words at that point comes a little bit easier, I think. And mm -hmm. uh, we interact, we interacted a little bit at the start on the videos, and I would have, I think, in hindsight, I would have liked to have shot a little bit more of the sort of natural interactions between the two of us as we were just chatting, but uh, I think it, it seemed to work out all right in the end as, anyway. But It's really hard when you don't have your own cameraman, you know, yeah, at, right. yeah. at your disposal to do the camera work for you because you forget so many times to oh, yeah. get the camera out and record or, you know, it's just, <sighs> it makes it really yeah. difficult. We come back all the time from our trips wishing we had recorded a moment that we didn't think of at the time yeah. because we figure we have all this time, all this footage that's coming and then when we make the edit we think ah oh, that would have been really nice to include that yeah yeah, yeah. personally for me because i mean I've, I've done that same walk on one of my previous vlogs so the day for me wasn't particularly about the the landscape photography mm, mm -hmm. uh, i mean i still got I, I was still pleased with some of the shots i got actually on that on that day as you're walking up these mountains you're sort of facing forwards obviously and every now and again you turn turn around and you just you sort of see this stunning landscape opening up mm. every time you turn around to look <laughs> we got to a certain height and then we turned around and there was just all these sort of paragliders sort of swirling around oh, uh, right. in the distance and it was totally unplanned and I just got I had the 70 to 200 lens on there and I was fully out at 200 200 millimeters and I captured a really nice shot of of these paragliders uh, which were all bright colors sort of reds and blues and yellows and really worked really nicely against the fairly dark green and sort of Brownie landscape in the background, so nice. it, it, it sort of worked into a, a really nice image that I'm, I'm really pleased with that one. And it's not sort of something you see a lot, and it's not it's sort of a slightly more unique image than than you may normally get. So that that was good. That was probably my favourite shot of the day. But the highlight for me was just sort of seeing seeing Andrew and hanging out with him. And of Australia is fairly flat so there isn't mm -hmm. those kind of mountain ranges in australia i don't realize that it was brilliant to see uh the joy it was giving andrew <laughs> uh, and because you i mean the more you live in these areas you you do risk taking them for granted don't you and then oh yeah, right, yeah. being with andrew that day and seeing his reaction to it sort of reinvigorated my love for the lake district and inspired me <laughs> as well so 
it was it was a it was a really 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 good day. Well, Andrew Marr, guys, if you haven't found his channel, do a Google search for Andrew Marr Photography mm-hmm. because there's some guy named Andrew Marr who, if he's being interviewed by CNN or NBC, and so every time you search Andrew Marr, you see that. Oh, really? Of Andrew Marr's photography. So look for Andrew Marr. <laughs> he's a very famous British journalist. So. Oh, he's in Britain when he's yeah. in the shot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, he's really messed things up for Andrew Marr. He's got to change his name. <laughs> but Andrew's an awesome guy. You guys will love his videos. You see Australia and you see a lot of awesome seascape photography. Yeah, yeah. He's great at that. And just recently he did this really moody, um, like a low light situation in, I don't remember where he said he was going, but it was more inland. It's a cool place. Hmm. So follow Andrew, follow Adam for First Man Photography. But I got to ask you that, Adam, do you have a situation when you're going through the Lake District that you say, okay, I'm hiking to this point and finding a vista or do you show up at the lake district and go okay i will go any one of six trails and i am going to decide when i get there the way i do it is i will generally i mean it's 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 about planning actually which i was talking about on yeah on the on the vlog the other day so i generally will pick a couple i'll have a few days where i'm able to go and then i'll pick the best day with what the weather's doing hmm. um sometimes sometimes i don't have that option i'll have to go whether it's bad weather or not but when i'm going to the lake district i'll generally pick a mountain that i'm going to climb and then just head there just start the walk really and i don't i don't go in with any uh, preconceived ideas about what i'm going to shoot i'm just sort of thinking about i just go and look but i know i'm going to that mountain i know i'm climbing it and then i might have an idea that i'll go try and be back down for the sunset to get the lake and the mountain uh. in it so sometimes i'll do that sometimes there's I, I might look to stay a bit higher up for sunset but when i do that it always means a trek back down to the uh, yeah, in, yeah. The, in the dark in the dark <laughs> is char- it's character building so right especially <laughs> alone so yeah exactly what is your compositional approach when you get to a lake scene lakeside scene sunset what do you love to make sure is in your composition what's your favorites i was thinking about this the other day funnily enough and oh really i don't th- i visualize it and I, then i don't think about it too much beyond that it just sort of seems to happen naturally but when i was thinking when i was thinking about it the other day um i looked at some of my older or some of my sort of portfolio or back catalog of images and i think what i realized is that i'm clearly a fan of having water in in my shots (laughs) Mm -hmm. if it's a lake scene i will aim i'll look at the sort of if the, if it's a mountain in the background, I'll look to where I want to capture that. Have the sun in there if I can as well. I'm a fan of those sort of shots. And then have have a lake there. And then just try and find some interest in the foreground, whether it's a rock or a log or uh, some natural sort of grass formation that's sort of going into the into the water. You you've obviously got your sort of uh, slightly more cliched fences and jetties going into the water as well. Yeah. I, I genuinely don't think there's anything wrong with shooting those shots either. I'm still I no. still like them. Yeah, just trying to find a bit of foreground interest, whatever that may be. I like having the water in the midground and then going into the mountain and hopefully I watch generally a, a, a nice sky in the background. And I'm obviously a big fan of long exposures as well. Uh, I like I like having that nice smooth water in my images. Uh, and the the sort of ethereal type feel in the clouds as well. That's something I'm a big fan of. So I will generally, I'll, I'll aim to go for long exposures just because I love it. Um, 
Uh, I don't really have any reason for loving it. It's just sort of that those types of images appeal to me. Um, yeah. If it's a if it's a sunset, I might go for sort of the 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 quicker exposure just to capture the, all the clouds and the, the light. But I'll generally just sort of figure it out depending on the conditions on the day as to what sort of shot I'm gonna gonna create. Nice. Do you have any techniques that you always seem to go to, like uh, focus stacking or bracketing, or I'm going to always make sure I do a zoom, a focal zoom in one and bring them together in a composite? What do you like to do? So I will generally, I'll do bracketing. And as I've started doing more vlogs and my time for editing photos has become less, <laughs> I've I've started using more often than not the HDR feature in Lightroom. Yeah, and just sort of co- and just combine them, and it works. It works for me, sort of seven or eight times out of ten. Sometimes mm-hmm. it doesn't. You get ghosting and stuff, and you've got to do it with uh, with um, luminosity masks and stuff. But bracketing, I will do a lot. I I made a video a little while ago, sort of comparing bracketing and ND grads that sort of created a bit of a. A bit of a storm, really, with some people getting quite angry. But my, my, because I don't, I generally don't use ND grads these days because partly because I don't think you need to. You can achieve the same sort of look without using them. The point of that video was that they're not an absolute necessity. And when if you're new to photography or you're just getting into landscape photography, obviously it's quite expensive. And I've come across landscape photographers in my time and people running workshops and things who will try and force or sell ND grads to people. Oh, wow. Way before they ever know what to do with them and before mm. they're really ready to start using them. So um, what the, the point of the video was just, just to highlight the point that they're not an absolute necessity and that you can achieve very similar or the same results with bracketing and uh, software ND grads. Yeah. If you're new to it, you can do it for free basically with what you've already got rather than sort of investing hundreds of pounds in uh, ND grads so I'm sort of living to that to that ethos really and I don't like I just can't be bothered with them either I just think they're a, they're a nuisance <laughs> <laughs> we definitely want an ND filter for long exposure water absolutely. but the oh, grads yeah, yeah. the grads it's the grads, yeah. it's the grads specifically because I mean a lot of people if you've got a filter system and you've got um, a circular polarizer or a uh, an ND, an ND, a solid ND, like you say, that that, that you, you obviously need them because you can't really recreate them. Yeah, it's really hard to do in post. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I use I use I use those, but I I prefer the I prefer the scrum filters personally. But mm. again, that's just that's just a personal choice. Well, let me ask you this, and maybe it's just a discussion for both of you to answer for me. I. I have a situation here in Utah where we have all these rock. Rock, it gets really glowy at night after the sun has set. You get some of a red glow sometimes after the sunset. But while the sun's still up, I really love that image of how it's hitting the clouds at that time. Mm -hmm. So I'll have a period that could be as different as 30 minutes from each image where I bracketed a shot for the clouds. I bracketed a shot for the foreground, but then I really want the glowy red rock that happens a half an hour later. And then when I try and bring those together my as my bracketed images, there the time difference, the light difference, the way that I had shadows and dynamic light before, but now they're all gone and kind of smoothed out, but really nice and red. They look faker when I bring mm. the composite together. Mm. And so I wondered if you guys ever do that with your bracketed shots, or do you try and keep, if I'm going to bracket, I'm bracketing the same like four seconds i'm not bracketing two different time periods together yeah i mean i i will generally do it 
I'll, when I'm doing bracketing, I'll just do let the camera do it for me with three three images within a minute or so of each other, depending on how long the exposures are. I haven't personally gotcha. done them that far that far apart because, like you say, it's it makes it more difficult to post process. I'm it not is. that I'm not that patient with my post processing, <laughs> so I process very quickly. So yeah, I haven't I haven't done that, but um, it's I'd. I'm not. I'm not against compositing. I think you sort of see some of these images, and they're absolutely spectacular. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So I, I am a fan of it. It's just, it's as a as a consumer, but it's not something. Yeah, yeah. it's really difficult. Um, I've had a similar situation with my Canary Creek the last time we went with oh, Rusty, yeah. and I actually exposed for the outside, which was a really thin, you know, wall outside of the slot outside canyon. of the slot canyon. There's some a big red rock and some trees, and I exposed and I did some bracketing for that, and then I exposed and did bracketing for the inside, and so there's a big difference because you got this really bright light glow coming it spilling into oh, the rock. Oh yeah, and then mm. you have this really sharp, but the bracketed exposures are outside of the rock. It's really clear and crisp, and when I put them together. Some You're people said it looked okay, blur. but it looked really fake to me, you know, and it was really just yeah. like, eh, I don't know if I like this. And other looks, people said, it looks, it looks okay. It looks, on Instagram, looks normal, but, but I just like, but I'm, to me, it's just like, I don't know. It was just, it was really difficult and it was, and it was like, like Adam said, it's just, it's, I'm, I'm not also that patient with my processing. <laughs> like if I spend more than an hour on an image, I've spent kind of too much time. I, I feel like it's <laughs> yeah, just, no. <laughs> I, I agree. I think some people, some people have that patience and they can, they can create magic with Photoshop, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm just not willing to put that sort of time in. And like you say, I think if I'm spending an hour post-processing, I think I've possibly lost what I visualized in the first place, maybe. So yeah, uh, I, I sort of, I try and keep my edits to a few minutes to try and really keep that uh, authenticity really in in the image that I had in front of me. Uh, that's just my way of doing it. I, like I said, I, I like seeing composites. It's just it's not something that I create, and I try and keep it true to what I saw at the time. Even though mm-hmm. the long exposures don't really do that, that, that sort of that counteracts what I just said about loving the long exposures because they hmm. true true, the, but. I don't know. It sort of feels more natural doing it in camera. As much as I'm a, as much as I've been talking about recently on some of the videos that um, even Ansel Adams sort of talked about having. It's a three step. It's a three step process creating a landscape image or any photograph really. Is that you've got what happens in the camera. You've then got the post processing. Whether that was in the dark room when he was doing it, we're now in Lightroom, so it's digital, yeah. and then the print. So. And, and some people sort of seem to think that this bit in the middle, the post-processing, is cheating. Uh, and I genuinely, <laughs> right. I, gen, I genuinely don't believe that. It's it's as much a part of the process as it was when you were developing things in the darkroom because a lot of the tools that we have in Lightroom are methods that right. we used in the darkroom. Yeah, well, inspired like dodge, by darkroom. Dodge and yeah. burn and, yeah. Yeah. and all that sort of thing. So... Uh, people shouldn't be afraid of using the post-processing but I, I just like to do it quickly because just that's the way i do it it's not i'm not judging anybody for doing no. it differently or anything like that well and so many times if you just take a picture even with a nice camera and a nice lens and and even some profile set up in your camera you take a picture and then if you just go straight to print it's kind of like blah 
You know, it's kind of yeah. flat. It's not really that exciting. It's, it's like, punch. this looked better. Especially if you're shooting yeah. in raw. <laughs> oh, yeah. seriously, yeah. It goes flat and now nothing yeah. live yeah. about or it. Or JPEG, sometimes the colors don't look quite what you remember or yeah. how you would like it. And mm-hmm. so, um, so yeah, post-processing is definitely definitely part of the process. Yeah, you're right. That's, that's really just what, when I'm post-processing, all I'm doing is just matching the image I've taken on the camera to what I actually saw at the time because oh yeah you can't mm-hmm. because your camera doesn't capture straight out the camera exactly what you saw does it no no hardly no. ever so especially like i say if you're shooting in raw so all i'm doing with my post-processing is to try and bring that image back to what i saw and what i visualized at the time and that's that's sort of my that's my method to to post-processing really. yep i feel that exact same way my easiest way to tell other people that is that when you're out there at night and you're looking at the milky way and you see the lake in front of you and the trees or a beautiful rock formation and the milky way you're taking that whole scene in mm-hmm. but you take a picture yeah. and now your awesome rock or awesome trees and lake are, are dark they're hey, black. You're clipping it so mm-hmm. much because your gone. eyes can see so much more mm-hmm. yeah so in processing yeah. you bring finally that image to life that you experienced so people yeah. forget that our eyes have a really great high dynamic range but then they also have our the processing for our image in our eyes is our imagination our brain and our brain (laughs) and our magic can fill in and enhance so much more (laughs) than the chip inside a camera you know and so i think people just forget about that that we've got the fastest best processor in our brain connected to the best optics you know better than a camera so that's particularly that's particularly true with the astro stuff though isn't it because Mm. if if you took a single frame for an astro shot and you didn't do any light painting or anything like that, it would just be spots, wouldn't it? It'd be like yeah. mm-hmm. spots of stars. But <laughs> when you when you're actually there, it's so much more, isn't it? That, you, that you're yes. appreciating. There's there's you, there's all those colours that you the subtle colours that you can see at night time, uh, especially in a sort of dark area where you've got beautiful bright stars. And oh things. yeah, there's yeah. so much colour, isn't there? And um, the the camera isn't going to capture that in one no. frame, is it? So you've got to do some post processing. With it. however, I'm not. I don't do much astro stuff, so I'm not an expert like you guys. But uh, <laughs> sort of, it needs it needs some work, doesn't it, to bring it back oh, up to definitely. what you actually experienced at the time? Yeah. Well, if you ever want to, if, I know you said that you won't be out in Utah or even the United States anytime soon. But if we could ever get you out here, we'd oh, love yeah. to take you to some awesome locations oh, for that. I'd, I'd love to. I'd absolutely love to do that. You can blow your mind with some cool <laughs> spots, even. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We 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 don't have that many dark sky areas in in uh, mm-hmm. in England at least. There are some in Scotland. Scotland pretty good for it but it's uh it's tough in england yeah and i only recently really was turned on to the reality of not only do you have areas of low like very small areas of low light pollution issues but you also have parts of the year that you just do not break astronomical twilight mm-hmm. you're just you're constantly yeah. in too a twilight north, period yeah. you never go to a full darkness and so you have that one yeah, against uh, you too mm-hmm. yeah especially in the summer uh, because right. we're quite high up we're quite high up in the right. northern hemisphere but the other, the other thing, when I, when I sort of have done a little bit of astro before and I've looked into, because you see some of these amazing images with the, with the Milky Way sort of arching across, arching yeah. across the landscape, uh, and I was thinking, oh, I'd love to capture something like that. But that basically doesn't seem to happen in the UK. Um, <laughs> you don't get to see the Milky Way. or very I don't know, I haven't looked into it too much, so I'm not an expert on this, but when I've done the research, it doesn't seem to ever create that perfect arch in the uk and especially mm. the times that you actually see the galactic center are quite rare and it's all it seems to always be vertical as well i bet it? that's the case mm. i bet what happens is the vertic the galactic core doesn't come up until later in the season 
and now you're almost vertical when you see it in the UK. Yeah. I bet that that's true because yeah. I haven't seen a Lake District shot with a Milky Way arch. It just doesn't yeah. exist. Right. And it, it might not ever would. happen. Maybe that should be our goal, our white whale. <laughs> yeah, come, come, to the, come to the UK and get, show us how to do it. <laughs> Let's segue into a question that we wanted to ask. Uh, you, as a landscape photographer, love landscapes, love getting out there with your camera. What are some of your dream destinations? If you could pick three worldwide, where would you go? New Zealand <laughs> is, yes. is number one. Uh, I've always wanted to go there for a long time. Obviously, like many of us, we're inspired by the uh, the Tolkien films. Mm-hmm. Things, um, yes. When, uh, that New Zealand sort of really hit the mainstream at the, around that time, didn't it? And then oh, yeah. my wife visited there shortly after we met and I didn't, she went with a friend, but she's always sort of talked about taking me back there. So that's, that's definitely, definitely number one. Number two, closer to reality for me, uh, is... A small island off the west coast of Scotland called St Kilda. St um, Kilda. Yeah, so it, it, it's an epic journey to get there, even from where I am. Really? Why? Think, What's... Yeah, yeah. So first you have to go into Scotland. from In sort of central northern England, you've got to go up into Scotland. Okay. Scotland is big. It's not very wide, but it's it's quite tall. Tall, yeah. So you've got yeah. to travel right up to the top of Scotland on the west coast. Are we talking like a 20-hour train ride crazy? or So it's, it's about eight hours up to the north of Scotland. You've then got to get a ferry over to the Outer Hebrides Islands. Oh. Um, so that's about an hour. And then you've got to drive across one of the bigger islands. It's called the Isle of Harris. You've got to travel across that. It's probably take about an hour in the car, which you've then you probably have to hire if you haven't taken your own on the ferry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's and then you've got to be have the white the right weather to then get a boat from this from the Outer Hebrides across to St Kilda, which it used to be inhabited a long time ago, but it isn't anymore on a permanent basis. There isn't a sort of settlement really? there anymore. Mm. So there, there is still a small town on there, uh, but it's it's abandoned now. But you wow. can you can sort of seek you can seek special permission to sort of camp on the island. Oh wow! So I would love I would love to do that. Um, and there is some amazing landscapes there. There is wildlife stuff as well. Uh, sort of the birds visit in the spring, early summertime. So that's that's number two. Mm. Oh my gosh! Talk about a photog adventure. I, yeah, I'm dreaming island, right now. You know, like ghost yeah. town. Yeah, yeah, we could. I mean, I don't know if you like the idea of going there for your first time with the two goofy dudes from the United States, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> with that the would yanks. Be, <laughs> it'd be so fun to go pick you up and be like, "Let's do this. We got set up. Yeah, Let's I mean, go." On a, on a lot of my vlogs recently, I've, I've been out with. I've been out with people and like getting on these little photography trips with with lots of different people is brilliant. So I'd, I'd be I'd be definitely up for that. Mm-hmm, yes, it is a lot of fun. Within six months, we're going to be out in that area. I just don't know exactly when I'll find yeah. the best ticket. So I'm going to keep in contact with you to see if you have a dream of joining us. We're going to go to Faroe Island. Faroe oh, Islands, right. brilliant. I, I do. That's definitely on my list. I think I think third on my list. I'd love to, I'd love to come back to the to the US really. Just, Sort of have have a few have a few weeks there, maybe pop over into Canada. Um, so, but I mean, you could spend a lifetime shooting shooting. Oh yes. yeah, Saturday, couldn't you? So, oh yeah, spend absolutely. a lifetime in Utah alone. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I would love to see the the salt plains. I've got I've got to be. Oh yeah, we're actually heading out there 
probably after the eclipse, but I'm hoping before. And we're going to take some people and do photography there because the Milky Way is getting so vertical, it's kind of heading towards the one city there called Wendover. And so the light pollution from that bloom kind of bleeds into mm. the Milky Way core when I was in my last time there. But it's awesome. It's awesomely mm. flat. I was laying out there just a couple weekends ago alone, and I'd be sitting there with my iPad watching Batman. I was watching the uh, <laughs> Batman Dark, the Dark Knight, because I was waiting for four hours for my Milky Way to move into oh, position. Yeah. I had a leading yeah. line that was leading to this spot, and I had to wait for it till 1 a.m., 1.45 a.m. So I was just sitting there watching my iPad, and every about 20 minutes, a car would show up, and they would drive on the salt flats any direction. So I'd have to stand up and get ready with my light. And like, are they coming at me? Are they coming at Okay, they are. And I'd wave my light and be like, I'm over here. Don't hit me. <laughs> I'm over here. And then they blitz off that side and go fast. So Salt Flats is amazingly fun, and I can't wait. That'd be fun to take you if you show up. We'll definitely show you around. It is a cool place, yeah. Yeah, thank you. We'll have to do that. So uh, I want to hear some stories from your photography. So first thing, I want to ask you, what was the scariest? I mean, you keep going out alone. So what was the scariest landscape photography trip that you've been on? I, I say scary, but I, what, what I've sort of been quite clear on is obviously people are watching the channel now and some of them want to recreate what I'm doing and I think there's an important safety message first and foremost <laughs> is right. if you're not if you are not experienced in going up mountains don't go up a mountain alone oh sure basically um, because the weather changes very very quickly on the mountain um, there isn't any such thing as 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 bad weather there is only sort of being having bad clothing basically so oh. <laughs> uh, unprepared for to, the weather yeah yeah you need to have the right gear so and the right experience as well but so as an example of that i went on it was the it was actually the same the same walk that i did with andrew Marr, um but i did it the first time by myself it was a be- it was a beautiful day and i'd set out it was sunny uh, i got some b-roll at the start of the vlog of these beautiful sunny skies I went, I started the climb and I had just a t-shirt on and I stopped on the side of a mountain and got my sort of first time lapse of the day and there's blue skies and sort of just the odd wispy cloud uh, (laughs) moving through it. I started walking up and I got to a point where I'd sort of knew there was a little tarn. A tarn is like a sort of mountaintop little lake. I went up to, I found this this little sort of mountaintop lake that I wanted to shoot that was about 100, 200 feet from the top so i shot that and there was beautiful blue skies in that it was it was in the winter so there was, the the peaks were sort of snow capped at this time so that turned into a really nice image yeah i bet and then i sort of it, it sort of starts continued the walk from there uh just up to the top and there was there was another another sort of tar, what they call a tarn at the top that was frozen solid um, oh, so cool. i sort of I did, I did a bit of b-roll with that and i threw a rock onto the tarn and it made this really echoey uh, <laughs> sort of noise as it struck the ice and stuff and it made some nice nice bit of b-roll and things and then there was but the, the sort of top was really rocky and jagged and it was it had ice on it as well so it was it was fairly touch and go as it was and then just all of a sudden the the wind just came in and the weather turned on me it was the, i mean the wind was unbelievable this was back <laughs> in january this was back in january in fact uh and it it literally almost blew me up off the mountain um, I still did manage to film a bit from the top though and I think I just ended up yelling at the camera because I, I couldn't even hear myself um, so that was fairly dodgy and then I, got, I, pack, I packed the camera up at that point and put, sort of put all my decent 
one gear on. Um, but that was treacherous coming coming down from there because uh, all the way down the wind was just like knocking me out basically. <laughs> wow. I, was having, I was having it was it must have been gusting up to sort of seventy eighty miles an hour. Whoa! Because uh, it, it, I was having to like properly lean into the winds as I was sort of <laughs> sort of edging across these little precipices with these big cliffs. <laughs> but um, so it, I wasn't scared because I, I've I've got the experience. I've beat I've been to the lake district and up mountains all my life so i'm fairly well experienced but i think if you weren't prepared and uh you didn't have the sort of that level of experience it would be a case of being rescued by the mountain rescue probably <laughs> at, that, <laughs> at that point so uh you do have to be careful and it does get a little bit tricky at times i think the way i sort of see it, it's more in hindsight i think well what if i'd fallen and sort of broken a leg or something right. like that. Well, That's when it could be deadly. You got a yeah, GPS exactly. on you and your wife knows about it or does she just know you went to that mountain area? Yeah, I mean, the the Lake District's interesting actually. I, I always leave I always leave my wife with the route I'm going to take as part of as part of that mm-hmm. sort of safety Smart. thing. But in the Lake District, you don't get a signal on your phone until mm. you're at the top. <laughs> on top of all the mountains you get a pretty good signal, but as soon as you come down and you're just surrounded by the mountains, then there is no phone signal. So ah. uh, I, I am going to have to invest in a satellite phone, I think. That's going to be one of my yeah. uh, next next purchases, I think. <laughs> I'm going to move into Verizon because Verizon here has better signal in Utah in mm. weird areas. And so I'm trying to do yeah. that to help my wife because I leave on a photog adventure and then she doesn't hear from me in three days. And she just yeah. kind of hopes I survived and then I'll be <laughs> on my way home soon. <laughs> and so she hates yeah. that. <laughs> but at least she's hoping that you survive. That's the, that's the, that's the start. There, there is right. a pretty good, uh, you know, money payout on our life insurance if I do die. So she probably has an, a mixed emotion. <laughs> yeah. I want to ask for other stories. Should I go for funny or for a situation where it looked like nothing was going to turn out, but then all of a sudden the sky became perfect and it became one of your favorite images? Do you have any stories about that fighting through it? Yeah. So I mean, like I was saying, I've, I'm not a afraid to head out in bad weather because sometimes the way my schedule is I'll only have that single day to shoot mm-hmm. and in the past before before I started doing the vlogs I would have quite happily sat on the sofa and watched a film All right. but but now there is a pressure I've got a sort of I'm uploading once a week now um, I was uploading twice a week but as, I, as I've sort of started vlogging more they take more time so I sort of cut down to one a week mm-hmm. yeah, but it's do. still it's still a fairly intense schedule with everything else I'm doing, tell me about it. There might be occasions when I only have one day that week to shoot, and obviously we're not in control of the weather, so I've got to head out. Yeah. One one such occasion was when I headed into what they call the Yorkshire Dales here in Northern England. What's that terrain like? What's the Yorkshire Dales like? I think rolling hills is oh, okay. the best way to describe mm. that. Very very green That's rolling cool. hills. A couple of sort of bigger, almost mountainous sort of hills as well. Uh, not, not not on the same scale as the Lake District, but it's still it's still a really nice area. So I headed with knowing that the weather wasn't very good. I sort of headed out to shoot some waterfalls. That was it's the this sort of wood this really nice woodland walk that has all these oh, these quite cool. large these large beautiful waterfalls. So I thought I'll head there because it doesn't really matter what what the weather's doing there because I can get some nice uh, shots of the woods or and the and the waterfalls. So, so I went there and I started doing the vlog and I started shooting the waterfalls, but the, it had been raining really heavily at that time and the torrent coming off these waterfalls 
was just was just creating rain basically because it was bouncing oh, yeah. off. Mm. As soon as you set your camera up pointing at the waterfall, the lens would just get completely covered mm. uh, in in water. And I, like I said, I like I like the longer exposures, so I could only get an exposure of sort of one or two seconds, which was enough really. But uh, the cam- the camera was getting covered in, or the lens was getting covered, so it was killing the shots and. I was worried then that I wasn't going to have a vlog really. So I then headed to a second location, which is more out in the open uh, to it, it's sort of, it's this, it's sat between two mountains uh, and it's called Ribblehead Viaduct. It's like mm. a really old uh, sort of rail bridge, basically made out of stone. And it's a, well, probably about, cool. it's about a hundred, I'd say, I guess about 50 to 100 feet high amazing mm, thing it is called, called ribbles head viaduct it's, it's very well photographed um so i thought i'd never been there before yeah, but I thought, so i thought i'll i'll head there so i headed there and i the weather had started to pick up a, a little bit and i thought oh, i might i might i might be okay here but again the second i got out of the car uh got my got my bag on and stuff the the heavens just opened again <laughs> um, so i thought oh, I just, but i thought well i'm out in the rain I've got the vlogging camera. I'll just talk about the rain a little bit and how mm. on days like that in the past I would have stayed in and done some macro photography in the studio. Mm. Um, right. But I thought, well, I'm going to persevere. I'll take some shelter under the viaduct, uh, do a little piece to camera, and then all of a sudden, uh, just out of nowhere, I got about a five-minute break in the weather so I sort of headed up to the composition that I'd sort of found whilst it was raining uh, set the camera up did a couple of minutes to the, to, to the camera on the vlog and then I just set up this image and I did a long exposure because there was a little bit of colour in the sky coming sort of almost through the clouds although it was still quite cloudy but I had some light coming in from the other side of the viaduct which was just creating some subtle blues and a few pinks and magentas in the clouds so I just managed to capture that, and I did a long exposure because the light was moving around quite a lot in the in the scene. So by doing a long exposure of about, I think I did, it was about two or three minutes, you're capturing all that light in all those different places. Oh, wow. So it, 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 the, the final image ends up having more colour in it <laughs> than you than you actually saw at the time, which, like I say, it's, it's, I, I don't see that as cheating because it's just the sort of... It's you, a technique. Show, mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're, you're showing a period of time in the single image right, of, of, right. What hap- of, of what happened. So, And it turned out to be uh, a really nice image in the end. So, like I say, it's a well-shot area, but I was really pleased with how the image turned out. And most people, and even me in the past, I wouldn't have persevered <laughs> unless I had that schedule of the vlog. Um, that yeah. mindset. Yeah, almost like having that sort of expectation from, from my audience to, to get a good <laughs> image. So it, kept, it kept me out there and... In the end, it paid off, really. Nice. The lesson just to not give up. Don't move away right. or change positions, change locations, yeah. and just make yeah. something out of it. Yeah, absolutely. So with all the landscape photography that you're doing, Adam, and your YouTube channel, I know you're making some money from the YouTube channel, at least I'm hoping you are. I mean, we're making like 40 bucks in ads a month, and we have 2,000 subscribers, so I'm hoping you're making a good amount. But what else do you do photography-wise to make money? What else are you focused on? A, a number of things. I mean... Like I said, the landscape photography, it's hard work to yeah. make a living from that. So I have, as time's gone on, I've done sort of just expanded as, as much as I can really into into various different streams of income really. So I do I do weddings, that's one thing, that's straightforward. Uh, 
uh, a good way for photographers to make money these days if you're good enough. Um, and then I obviously have the YouTube channel and that's sort of starting to grow. I've got sponsorship requests coming in and things like that, one of which I'll be taking up very soon. Nice. Did you have uh, to find them or did they find you? No, they, they came to me. Um, and I've, I've awesome. had quite a few companies come to me and it's not been the right fit because mm -hmm. if if I'm going to have a sponsor, which I am now, it's a fairly well-known sponsor, they, they came to me uh, and it just kind of, it fitted with products I was using ah, uh, nice. and, th and things like that. So I think it fitted, it fitted the channel. Uh, that's, that's, so that's certainly going to help me out money-wise to be able to sort of pull away from the wedding stuff yeah. uh, to put that back into the landscape, landscape stuff, which is what I really love. But one of my other passions around photography, I mentioned it briefly earlier, is about macro photography. Yeah. Uh, and sort of one of the, one of the things I've become fairly well known for certainly on youtube is water drop photography really water drop photography yeah so what there, there's various things that you might have seen you might have seen where people just shoot a water drop on a leaf and things it's it's not it's not that what it's basically mm -hmm. water drop collisions so oh. very simply mm -hmm. you you set up in a macro studio sense so it's mm -hmm. all quite small a little you set up a little water bath and then you drop a drop of water from a certain height down into the water bath and as the water hits the surface or the drop hits the surface of the water it bounces back up uh, out of the water and it's that moment that you capture that ball so, that's kind of could be yeah oh yeah that, but the way mm -hmm. i've sort of developed mm -hmm. it now is by using a, a sort of an le electronic water dropper so it fires out two drops so as the as the first drop hits the water it bounces back up the second one is coming down at the oh, same really? time, and it, ah, yeah, and it creates nice. a water drop collision. Is so, that the mushroom cloud picture we're looking at? I mean, we've got this one. Yeah, that that's the one. Yeah, so is that's that from probably, two drops? That's two drops that collide, and then because you sort of put uh, additives into the water to thicken it a little bit, it can, it creates these really interesting sculptures. Basically, that's fun. That sounds awesome. To be totally honest, I can't remember how. Why or why I started doing that? It may have been that I had a, <laughs> an in. It may have been that I was injured at some point because uh, I've had my fair share of sporting injuries. So when when you sort of mm. stuck inside, macro photography is a really good way to go. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I started doing. I, it was probably because of something like that that I started doing it. But as I started doing it, and I got the water dropper and started capturing some of these images, it just sort of struck me that the thing I love about water drop photography. Uh, is that it's it just sums up photography perfectly because you, of where you're capturing a moment in time. Mm. A water drop is just that moment in time. It's only there for a right. very briefest of mm -hmm. times. And we see water drops all the time. You see water water collisions all the time or bouncing up off the surface of the road when it's raining. Yeah. Um, but you just take it for granted. Uh, mm -hmm. But actually capturing these moments... In a studio setting where you can control the light, you can mm -hmm. control the colour of the water with sort of food colouring yeah. and it, with a different flash setup and things, uh, it just create it creates these sort of beautiful sculptures uh, of water, basically. So that's uh, and that's that's why I love it. I, I then made a tutorial about how to do that, and that's that's still probably my most successful video really? to date. 
Yeah, what are yeah. we talking so, for on hits? Uh, um, it's approaching 200,000, I think, now. Like, <laughs> wow. View, view yeah, wise. The images um, are beautiful. We're, we're celebrating yeah. our 100,000 view in total, and you've got one video that's 200,000. <laughs> yeah. I cringe, to be honest, when I look back at that now, because I think that was one of my very first videos. Um, it's taken oh. some time to sort of, it took some, it, it sort of grew organically, that video, but I just cringe at that now, because it was so, <laughs> I think you, you get used, I've always sort of stood up and spoken in front of people and done public speaking and things like that and I'm quite comfortable with that but when you start creating videos and that camera's actually looking at you <laughs> and you turn it and you turn it yeah. on and you think ah uh, what 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 <laughs> Well, I, I have to say something now, don't I? And it's, it feels like the whole world's listening when that lens is in your face. Yeah. Um, <laughs> even we, though it was probably just my mum and my mate at that, at that time. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're looking at these pictures right now, and I noticed that you have a very specific crop on the bottom half underneath the ripples where it has the reflection. You never yeah. go too far, at least on these ones. Is that a specific style choice? Yeah, it is. That that because there are other other water drop images out there, but I don't think there's any like mine that have that sort of same uh, perspective. I like to get like down low to the actual mm. water bath. So mm. the the actual the actual lens is almost exactly parallel, level. Yeah. yeah, yeah, parallel with the level with the water bath. So oh, you, cool. if you fill if you fill the water bath right to the brim. You then just end up with this seamless uh, connection mm. between the actual water and the background with the way you light it and things. Um, so, and that's kind of, and then you've just all the focus is then on the water drop, and you can then play around with the color and things. And uh, that that's how I go about trying to make them sort of fairly unique. That's yeah. really really cool looking. Do you change the backdrop color with the physical backdrops? I've got three or four backdrops that i use uh and then with i've i use either well sometimes i use one two or a three flash setup you've got a lot of control over the color in post-processing because it's mm. usually quite it's, it's usually just one or two colors that mm, you've got right. in there you you can then change the color a lot in post-processing with the white ah. balance with the saturation right all that you've, so you've got quite That's a lot of control in post-processing yeah we look at this and you see a different color backdrop in every shot and mm. so i can see what you're saying oh man i love i love some of these with the black mm -hmm. it can be quite a complicated setup and it takes a bit of time so it's good to be able to get a few different color images from one shoot with sort of just changing the, between three or four backdrops, basically. That's, yeah, that's how I yeah. do it. Awesome. What is a session of uh, recording a water drop like? You only have one go with the food coloring, or can you drop as many as you want and they still all look just as clean and cool? Yeah, I mean, you can. It, it, it requires patience uh, <laughs> because you're not going to get the the collisions, don't happen every time. You're mm. obviously dealing with, you're dealing with water, so it's unpredictable. Yeah. Unlike landscape photography, where I will go out and shoot three images all day in water drop photography you've just got to keep shooting <laughs> until the water actually does what you want it to do because you mm. can't because you can't really control it so it's just about keeping going until you get you get that actual collision that you want and almost yeah. all of these a collision because you see some of these like bell shapes uh, for instance this one yeah, yeah that bell shape is that from a collision or just from itself folding no that is that's a collision yeah and yeah. anyone that you, where you see like a, a bell or a a sort of mushroom type shape at the yeah, top. Splash That's, they're out. all collision. Yeah, they're all mm. collisions. Wow, this is fantastic. Cool. Go back to your question. I mean, where they they sell pretty well the water drops because I think when you 
you show most people they've never seen anything like it before where we've all seen we've all seen beautiful landscape photographs mm-hmm. but not not many people have seen those those type of shots before so i've sold them for album covers for, for to musicians yeah. and things and up in restaurants and things like that and yeah and i've started since i've since i've launched the channel i've uh, started selling them on my website as well so they do pretty well and, and the, the, like i say I've, i'm not trying to it's no secret i've put a, i've put a tutorial up on <laughs> up on youtube of mm-hmm. how to do it so I, i'd love everybody to have a try and i, I love seeing other people's uh other people's images as well i was going to ask you that because brendan's a macro photographer and he's been wanting to get like a studio set up where he can do more of it and this seems like something that'd be a lot of fun to try out yeah, yeah. be yeah. a great video we could say we're trying to do what adam Carnach does and check <laughs> this out <laughs> Well, these are fascinating, and this brings you an income with wedding photography, and those are your two main sources, or do you have to do what I do and have a real day job? I do still have a part-time job, just for security. If if yeah. I if if Smart. I if I didn't if I didn't have a family, I would have been full-time professional a long time ago. All right. But since I have a family, I have responsibilities. I have people depending on me. It takes more money to do that, right? So, it does. It does yeah. indeed. And maintain, maintain a certain lifestyle for your children. Mm-hmm. You, you can't rough it like you did when you're sort of yeah. nineteen, twenty, can you? So that's the only reason. Just a little bit of security. But I could go professionally if I, if if I didn't have that. Uh, and I think in reality, I will with the sponsorship coming on board and other little bits and pieces that are happening. I'm launching some landscape photography tutor- uh, workshops in the next couple of weeks. Good, so good. I think probably by the end of the year, I'll have gone full time uh, cool. with it. So. That's awesome. I did want to bring that up because when I heard it on your podcast that you're going to start doing workshops, I wanted to make sure you had a moment on this podcast to talk about some. Mm-hmm. Are any of them ready to announce and let people come to your website and sign up for them? Well, So, so yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm launching landscape photography workshops and it's probably going to go out in the next week i think you can go to my website you can sign up for them there book onto them and the way i'm the way i'm running it or i'm going to run them is they are essentially going to be retracing the steps from one of my vlogs so mm, on the on the cool. on on the actual purchase page i'm going to embed the video into the purchase page so you can browse around the web browse around the store watch the vlog See how the day went. Yeah. Uh, see, see if the sort of images that I got in the area I went to and the sort of day I experienced appeals to you. There'll be some strenuous ones. There'll be some easier ones, a bit more accessible. Uh, so you'll be able to see the type of day that we'll have, and then that's 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 what we'll do essentially. So that's awesome. the way that's the way I'm going to run them. How many people are you hoping to put on uh, with each trip? It's going to be small f- for starters, at least. I'm going to have f- there's going to be groups of three. Unless there's a sort of special request, but what, what you'll be able to buy on the website will be it'll be a group of three, so you can book on them by yourself, or you can book on as a group of three or a group of two, however you want to do it. Um, I think that's important for me because I don't I think I want you to get the best out of the day, and I want to be able to give you my time because if you get a big group, uh, you can only split yourself so many ways, can't you? Yeah, so I think yeah. A, a group a group of three for about eight to ten hours. I'll be able to spend a good bit of time with you individually and as a group, and we'll be able to have a bit of a laugh and some food together and stuff as well. So, uh, mm. I think that that's I think that's the fairest and uh, the, the best way to do it for me at the moment. 
Sounds cool. Yeah, I'm those for the people coming on. Exactly, and those yeah. sound really fun. We have a lot of friends who have followed us on the channel and become friends of ours on the Facebook group that are in the UK that might even be interested in joining in sure, some of those. Sure, yeah, yeah. So I hope that they look into it. They're already there. Yeah, there seems to be a fair, fair bit of interest, so we'll just have to... We'll just see how it goes, but I think yeah. you'll, you'll definitely have a good day if you if you come along. <laughs> and do you want a, them to go to firstmanphotography.com or will it be another website specific for the workshops? No, it will be it will be firstmanphotography.com. I'll I'll put I'll put the link out. Every, I'll, it'll be everywhere. The link when I fantastic. When I launch it. So, and I'll, yeah, I'll send I'll send it to you guys as well. And of course, I'll put it in the show notes if you guys are interested in checking it out. And you're going to UK and you're thinking I'd like to go to the UK, go to the Lake District, but I want to bring someone with me who knows the area. Yeah, Adam Carnatch is your man. If you can yeah. be one of the lucky few to get the third slot or second slot in that group, <laughs> yeah. those will sell out really fast. I'm going to sort of run them definitely all most months of the upcoming year, so you'll be able to choose Ooh, one for good. the sort of time of year that you're here as well. So yeah, Nice. A lot of windows opportunity. That's awesome. So with that, um, you're an awesome landscape photographer. You've been doing it for many years. You've been teaching it and showing examples of it on the blog. People who are getting into it are falling in love with landscape photography. What kind of advice would you say to them who are just budding landscape photographers? Well, watch First Man Photography. That, <laughs> that's a start. But yeah. on, a, on a serious note, you can do it with any camera. I mean, the, the, the iPhones and the Android phones, are, they're magnificent these days, aren't they, with what you can right. get with those with mm. those phones. And I sometimes include phone shots in the vlogs and stuff if that's all I've had with me at that particular time as I was halfway up a mountain. But get up off the sofa, stand up, <laughs> get up off the couch and walk out your door. That's how you do landscape photography. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter where you go. It, does, it doesn't even matter. I mean, part of the sort of ethos behind my channel right from the start was I wanted photography to be accessible. Um, right. So it's not... Just because I just because I go up mountains doesn't mean you have to. Uh, that's that's not the point. Is if you can't access those types of places, if you uh, for whatever reason, just go for a stroll out your front door and see where see where it takes you and uh, shoot a, a, a pond or some woods or whatever you have near your house uh, that's sort of part of the natural landscape. Even the cityscape, it doesn't Even really matter. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. just go or a beach or. What, what, however, whatever landscape you've got, just go and shoot it. Uh, start thinking about your composition a little bit. Uh, what do you want to include in the shot? Try and visualise the image before you actually point the camera at it. What do you want to achieve? Why do you right. want to achieve that in your image? Uh, and, and go at it that way. And then just start doing it because from a purely practical point of view, there's, there is no substitute is there for yeah for a- actually going and doing it so i actually did another collaboration yesterday for the video that'll be going out on sunday oh, yeah cool. you might have, you might have already seen it by the time this comes out but i met up with a couple who uh they sadly very sadly lost their child it was i think the child was their oh, child wow. was stillborn oh. uh, in february in february oh. this year and during that time the 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 father got into Pretty much at that point, got into photography a bit more seriously, and he bought bought a camera, uh, and that the the camera and the photography kind of gave him uh, an anchor and a little bit of escapism from obviously the 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 terrible right. situation that mm. they, they were that they were suffering, um, oh, and then they, they've now started doing they've done this they've created this photography project where they are shooting seventy three locations in seventy three days. Oh, at wow. sunrise, at sunrise or sunset. Wow! Uh, so it's a really tricky, hard 
projects that they've taken on. It's all around the Peak District area of of the UK. Will they um, skip really cloudy days, or they take those included? No, no, they've in been they've been out every single uh, uh, every single day, whatever oh, wow. the weather. So um, I was out with him last night, but he he's not been doing it for long, and just by getting out like that, and just because he's had that photography project to get him out, keep him focused, uh, and keep him busy, his his uh, skill level and the quality of the images he's creating is just has progressed so fast. Mm. Uh, and it and and you can as well if you've if you've got a bit of an eye for it, and then you get out and do it, you can you can create some beautiful images. And I think that's I mean things like that inspire me even even today. So sure, uh, mm-hmm. I'll Absolutely. be I'll be talking I'll be talking about that in the video on Sunday. So awesome. Uh, just but yeah, just get out and do it. That's it's as simple as that. That's a really inspiring story for just getting out no matter what circumstance your emotional well-being might be in. Mm, Go yeah. out. There's been many times when Brendan and I have come back from getting out on a weekend, a photog adventure, and we kind of just kind of thank each other. It's like, thanks for going, man. I needed that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I needed to get Because laziness will kill creativity. <laughs> it yeah, will. Absolutely. So, yeah. And that's one of the things I sort of talked about on the video is that um, it's kind of, and I talk about it in a lot of my vlogs, it's the sort of well-being that, uh, landscape photography creates at the same right. time as getting out and out and about into the landscape mm-hmm. and then you're then shooting and capturing that landscape on top of it which gives you something to think about like I said earlier you've got the, the actual physical buttons to play with and stuff and it keeps you you're concentrating just on that and it just creates this it gives you such a lift and such a boost yeah, yeah you, just, you can just forget about problems and just focus on the beauty and the fresh air and everything yeah it really is yeah. it's a natural Bigger high rating. yeah and you always come back more positive don't you almost right. always. oh yeah even, yeah even if you even if you haven't got the shots you come back i was gonna say mm-hmm. the exact same thing exactly mm-hmm. well thank you adam thank you for taking time with us where can people we mentioned firstmanphotography.com where can people find you learn about you and buy an awesome water drop picture yeah so firstmanphotography.com is my website that's the place to head uh, also, just First Man Photography on YouTube. Uh, that's where most of the things are happening, those two places. I'm also on Instagram, at Adam Carnach. It's probably easier to find that through my website because, <laughs> uh, because <laughs> my surname's not particularly easy to spell. <laughs> but, right. Yeah, and I'm, I'm on Facebook as well, but it's sort of uh, the, the website and YouTube are my, my, my main places, as well as Instagram. Cool. And guys, don't forget about his podcast. It's just starting. It's really fun. If you guys want to know. I forgot lands- about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, landscape photography podcasts are on the low. Like It's hard to find enough landscape photography podcasts to get yeah, you through yeah. like a drive to the location you want to go. So add Adam Carnatch to your list. It's First Man Photography Podcast. And if you do listen to it and you do like it, leave a comment or review and five-star rating. He's only accepting five-star ratings at this time. <laughs> <laughs> Help him out. That'd be awesome. So thank you again, Adam, for making time. Thanks for coming on with us today. No, it's been an absolute pleasure. I've uh, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah, thank it'd, you. It'd be good. It'd be good to if you if you're over here, give me a shout and absolutely I'll certainly get in touch if I'm over there as well. So, oh, yeah, we can't wait together. for it. 